Welcome to the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast, the internet's home for motorcycle mediocrity. Your host. Listen, I can barely tie a shoe, let alone figure out this thing. And isn't that funny how people say not to be an asshole, but they go on to be an asshole? Oh, baby. I don't know. Did it really? I can't tell if he's just revving the motor and being a jerkwad. My skin met the asphalt. But these new new ways kit my... All right. A couple of blurbs. Whatever they do with cocaine. The people who make it happen. The first bike I ever bought was originally hanging from the rafters in his garage. It's a cafe racer with alloy makes, racing tank, and clip-ons, and all that jazz. And the thing's beautiful. I just love the way the Norton sounds. The Soma actually was purchased by uh, the Barber Vintage Motorsports Museum. Right. So that's where she lives now. Oh, man, bro. I was doing 200 miles an hour, and my fingers are coming off the grips. This is in and out of traffic. Um, I got to wheelie through an intersection on that. <laughs> Rad. Yeah, it was a little unexpected, but I got some applause from the homeless guy at the bus bus bench. That was pretty fun. I think my dad first gave me my first motorcycle, which was a Kiwi 80, when I was four years old. And the first thing I did was look in the bushes, showing mum how cool it was. Well, um, all right, technically all chaps are assholes, right? Or else yeah, they just came up with dance. Yeah, that's, we decided that you can call anything without an ass on it assless. All season, my bike's been having a problem hopping off the starting line. Like the back end of the bike will hop real bad and I'll let off the gas and get back in it. And I would go to Jesse's and hang out upstairs in the old building at West Coast Choppers. And he let me sit there and just watch him. Uh, right now, I'm drinking a stone rumination, um, but that's not all I do. Earlier today, I was <laughs> I was working on a BMW R90. Let's get started. Hot diggity damn! It's 2017, baby, and what do you know about that? Welcome back to episode 58 of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. How the hell are you doing, everybody? I've missed you so much. I'm just going to sit here and... Um, sorry. I'm sorry about that. Well, not quite the way I wanted to start off 2017, but hey, I am very, very excited. You won't hear it because I'm going to be trying to be very careful, but I am sick right now. And ironically enough, or coincidentally enough, I guess, I went back and looked at the first couple episodes of last year and they were titled, one of them was titled 2016. So I guess just this time of the year, I get sick. Everybody's been sick. I've been hearing it on all the other uh, podcasts and, and radio shows that I listen to. At least one person is sick and, you know, so I'm not going to be a baby about it. I'm just going to go through and power through it. But uh, yeah, I was in agony in the last few weeks. So that's why uh, taking a little hiatus from the show. Not only that, but, you know, it's Christmas. There wasn't a heck of a lot going down. New Year's, same. Uh, you know, and there's not a whole heck of a lot of stuff going on in the motorcycle world. Nothing has happened in the last three weeks worth talking about. And uh, nothing's going to happen in the next two. Oh, wait, I, I just got some news. Oh, no, I'm so wrong. I'm so wrong about this. But anyway, yeah, so a couple things have happened, but uh, we'll get to those in a minute. And I'm sure you've already heard about them already. And uh, my fault for, for taking a little break. But I hope you had a 
awesome Christmas. I hope you're having a really good new year. And I hope that the last three, two or three weeks have just been an amazing, uh, introspective time into your life and, and all the great things that people do, like make stupid resolutions. If you know me, I'm not really big into New Year's resolutions. I think the present is the perfect time to change anything that you don't like about your motorcycle. Uh, when it comes to changing things that you don't like about yourself, probably put it off for like another couple years. But yeah, no, great New Year's. Great starting out. Uh, I did a couple things over the break and uh, almost none of them motor related. And I'm going to tell you why in a second. All right. It's a second. Well, it's been a torrential downpour here in SoCal almost on and off for like the last three weeks. Today, it is coming down in buckets, literal buckets. I took a picture if you want to see it. And then I decided that's about as bad as Instagramming your food. So I won't show you the picture of the bucket, but uh, it's full. A five-gallon bucket is full has been full and overflowing for the past couple of days. It's just been a relentless, relentless storm system. Sometimes they call them pineapple expresses. Uh, that's also what I call my favorite sex position, so we won't talk about that. But as far as weather goes, the pineapple express is like a tropical storm that comes through and woohoo, you know, it's almost as good as the other pineapple express, but it's really good for the state. Uh, we need it. We've been in a drought for, oh, I think about 127 years now. And so uh, the devastating fires that we always have around this area, and you may remember last year I talked about them and I even posted up some pictures, uh, really taking their toll with the amount of mudslides and vegetation really hasn't had a chance to grow in yet enough to hold the earth together. So all the mountains around me that I used to love carving the canyons and riding the twisties, it's just a prairie now. Uh, I think uh, I might just move to Kansas because uh, from what I hear, it's a little bit cheaper to live there. And if I'm going to be getting the same thing for the California price, I might as well move somewhere else. So all joking aside, the, the mountains are coming down around me at least. And uh, we are getting so much crazy rain. Like I said, I've been sick for like, shoot, it feels like the last month, although it's only been like three weeks since I did a podcast. Uh, by the time this comes out, it, I think it'll be three weeks exactly. So I know that can't be right. But uh, the days that I was uh, feeling well, it was just coming down. I mean, pouring. And, um, you know, I don't want to ride in that. I don't want to be a baby, but I also don't want to ride in rain, when, especially when I'm not feeling good to begin with. And uh, don't own wet weather gear. So boom, uh, boom, two negatives for me right there. And I'm ugly. And so three negatives against me. And there's a lot of other negatives against me. Let's not let's not get into those. But the weather being one of them, just one of those crazy things where right now we are experiencing like the most unseasonably wet weather. And I know that's like an almost oxymoron because it's winter and we should be getting wet weather. But it has, pardon me, it hasn't been wet for the longest time. So just like grandma's chicken, it's been dry. So yeah, it's a, uh, I'm used to riding around this time of year and it's just been wet and very, 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 uh, cloudy, overcast, uh, cold. It's been like the fifties. Oh, God, almost froze. I am a, I almost had to go get snow gear from like this mountain town that spells, sells special snow gear for like 50 degree weather. And yeah, I know all you chumps like in Minnesota and Wisconsin and New York are going, it's like 50 degrees. That's like a spring day, you know, but not here, my friends, not here. Uh, that's like half the temperature that it usually is around here. So that's crazy. 
so anyway, yeah, it's been really wet. I did actually go riding on Sunday. I, it was like a, a break in the window from the weather and from the way I've been feeling. So I decided if I am not going to get out and just do it, like it's never going to happen because it's supposed to rain for like the next two weeks. So uh, I, I made a lot of fun of you guys in the north for not being able to ride a few weeks ago. And now I'm paying the price. So uh, I'm sorry to every motorcyclist in California. My bad. So if you're not in California and you're shacked up in your garage, what you got going on? I'm a little bit curious. I've been doing some things. I've been sick and the days, pardon me, the days that I did feel good, that it was raining, I decided to take advantage of that and go ahead and fix a couple things. Been doing a lot of two-wheeled stuff. It hasn't all been motorcycles, but there's one thing that I still do like to ride when it's wet and rainy out, and that's bicycles. So I've been customizing some bicycles, tearing apart some bicycles. I have a lot of two-wheeled stuff. And uh, even my office chair is broken, and it only has two wheels on it. So, you know, go figure. Everything I have is, like, two-wheeled. But, yeah, customized some bicycles over the break. Uh, did some work on my motorcycles over the break. Still got a little bit to do. Uh, a little bit of, you know, right now is the perfect time to do maintenance on them, I guess, just like everybody else that's getting their stuff ready. And speaking of that, we'll talk about the uh, WIR top 10 list in Wisconsin. If you, I'm always t- talking about them. And if you haven't been following their Facebook page, well, right now is like the silly season uh, for that group. It's pretty awesome to see all the crazy stuff going down right now. Also, a lot of, a lot of builders around here are going nuts for the Mama Tried show, which is coming up in February. The deadline is closing in on that. So there's going to be, uh, you know, a lot of fun stuff happening in colder parts of the world where, you know, it gets down to like a negative seven and uh, they're going to be in Wisconsin in I think a month, about a month. So a lot of guys are trying to wrap up builds that live here and get everything ready for that show. That's going to be pretty exciting. There's also a corresponding sort of corresponding show over in the UK. So that is also pretty exciting. And we'll talk about those in a little bit. But yeah, it's just been a time right now. It's a good time. I mean, when when it's uh, when it's wet, when it's cold, it's, even in SoCal, when that happens, really makes you want to tackle one of those project bikes. Uh, something else exciting that happened to me over the break, you may know if you've been paying attention to our Facebook page since I've been out sick and and uh, the podcast took a break for a couple of weeks, was a guest host along with a bunch of other podcasts on the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast. Thank you guys for doing that for us. And it was a total blast, a lot of fun. And uh, thank you for editing me to sound a lot more macho than I really am. So that was great. And that was a lot of fun. Check those guys out, of course. Uh, Pretty soon, I'll be probably putting up a little post to uh, all the podcasts that I like. And I know I mentioned it right before the end of the year. I think when we turned one, we kind of did that. And then the end of the year happened and we're like, wow, okay, cool. So uh, I think there's a couple more podcasts that I've started listening to since I did that episode. Just a few short episodes ago. I think it was episode 51, 52, 53, something like that. Um, So, yeah. That was, uh, you know, I've added a couple to my belt since then. A couple notches to the old belt. You know what I mean? The old podcast belt. The other, the other belts are, have the same amount of notches. Just my podcast belt got added too. So, yeah, that was exciting. Let me talk about what I did over the break. It was two-wheeled. It was really fun. And I, you know, it wasn't, like I said, all motorcycle related. But, you know, I did a lot of traveling for the holidays. It's fun. <laughs> got a chance to talk to somebody in the electric vehicle field 
And that was really fun and exciting and led me to think about some things that are going to be happening this year that are crazy. But before we do that, let's take a quick little break and talk about a friend of the show. Hey guys, I'd like to talk to you about some friends of the show. Their name is Johnny J Swing, and they're a band that specializes in old school R&B, jazz, and jump blues, sort of stuff like that. We've had guests from the band on our show, both motorcycle enthusiasts, I might add, and both really cool people that would like you to buy their album live at the Black House. You know what? I think I'd like you to buy it, too. So why don't you head on over uh, to johnnyjswing.com or check the show notes for this episode and give them a listen. Thanks. Bye. Wow, wow. Yeah, johnnyjswing.com. Check them out. I will put a link to the website and everything in the show notes for this episode. Don't worry about that. I uh, actually got to talk to Johnny this week, and we were talking bikes. It was really fun conversation. They are in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, of course, and there is a little bit of snow up there, a few moose, and a catamount. If you don't know what a catamount is, look it up. All right, so what's been happening here in SoCal with yours truly? Well, that's not important. What's been happening with you? Please email the show, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com, and let me know what's been going on, or you can Facebook the page, or just go to Facebook and click the send us an email and let us know what's been happening. Uh, Thank you for everybody that has been sending in mail over the holidays and checking in and just keeping us informed with what's been going on. Something big that has been going on was the uh, motocross came to town. The Actually, I'm sorry, arena cross came. Anaheim 1 was here, and you should have seen the regalia and everybody's Instagram. You know, a bunch like Roger Hayden was out here. Uh, There was a bunch of people throwing down that are, you know, builders, racers, and whatnot came out this way for Anaheim and I didn't realize it was such a star studded event, but I guess it is like the first motorcycle event of the new year. So uh, a lot of people that are in the industry probably coming for press stuff, probably be coming because they get paid to come or they get like a, you know, come, come check out what's happening. you know, so it's really cool to see all the actual, uh, you know, other racers that weren't motocrossers and other motorcycle uh, celebrities and stuff like that that came out just to check it out. Big news, I guess, uh, in motocross this year with a couple of people making some changes. I'm not all up into motocross, but it does bring out, I mean, it's like just a, a party. The whole Angel Stadium turns into party zone. And like I said, everybody that's like a, you know, like from Roger Hayden all, you know, all the way to, uh, I don't know, Valentino Rossi. I don't know if he was there. I just like to say that. But anyway, yeah, a lot of people came out and it was great, man. All the guys from Main Event Moto, I think, came down. So that was pretty cool to see all the Instagrams of everybody going. But uh, I was as sick as a dog. There was a couple more things happening out in my neck of the woods. Well, you know, further further this way, I guess, split the difference. Out east, if you will. One in Glen Helen and one in Temecula. We have a couple honorary field editors in my opinion one of them is bry viffer and i'm going to go ahead and give bry a big shout out he went to the Biltwell uh, parking lot sale there i was just too sick there was a, a flat track event happening hell on wheels did it out at Glen helen which is an awesome race facility by the way if you ever get a chance to go out there and check it out and at the same time a lot of the guys that are in the socal like eh, let's say grassroots slash hooligan flat track scene 
didn't make it because they're too busy trying to uh, eke out a living. And we're at the Biltwell. You know, Biltwell supports a lot of the local writers and builders and stuff like that. So it's really cool uh, to have that right in our backyard here as far as, you know, custom building and flat tracking kind of going hand in hand goes. Um, Lord knows we've got like a huge motocross scene and there's a bunch of the motorcycle industry here. So it's kind of cool that these kind of like back room sort of dudes are out there trying to, you know, sit, hawk their stuff and, and have some really cool, really cool events happening out there at Biltwell. So yeah, Bry went there, sent some cool pictures, some cool vids of some Harleys doing some wheelies and uh free beer, free 805 Lagunitas. Uh, also, Hey, Lagunitas, man. They are uh, building a brewery right out here uh, to the east of me in, oh, Azusa? Azusa, yeah. And uh, so basically, uh, I went for a ride over there to check out the brewery, and uh, they they haven't cut the red tape on it yet. Let's just put it that way. So I was sitting in front of the Army National Guard, uh, just some weird dude on a motorcycle sitting there for 10 minutes trying to figure out where the heck the brewery, you know, where I could get a better view for the uh, the brewery. And uh, some dudes came out. Needless to say, they realized uh, I was just an idiot on my phone looking for some stuff. And they took off. But, yeah. So it's over there in Azusa, if you're familiar with the area. Um, it's going to be awesome when it goes down. And I'm going to be riding over there a lot for drinks. So, that's a uh, pretty exciting, but anyways, uh, to, I digress. Yeah. The Biltwell uh, parking lot sale had free eight Oh five and free wheelie show apparently. And if I was there and I took off my shirt, uh, free gun show, baby. Woo. woo! Yeah. I got a gun tattooed on my big fat ass. So, all right. Talk to you later. Bye. Dude. I don't know why I just did a sign off. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. I'm still right here. But I did like throwing down that short transition. You're going to be hearing more of those in 2017 as well. And hopefully a lot more guests. Last year we had, what, like six, seven guests. Uh, This year I want to have eight, nine, you know, somewhere around there. So maybe one a month. Who knows? And if you've got a rad story that you want to uh, kick down, if you feel like chatting about your motorcycle adventures or you're doing something really cool like building a bike for the first time, or you don't even know what to do. You don't know what bike to build any of that great stuff. You don't even have a bike and you just want to buy the one that's in my backyard right now. Give me a buzz. Uh, email the show, creative writing podcast at gmail.com. And we'll talk about it. All right. So what did happen with me over the break besides, uh, being sick as a dog and, uh, be- getting uglier and older as than ever is, uh, I got a chance to do some cool two wheeled stuff. And electric vehicle stuff. Like I said earlier, I did modify some bicycles. Yes, that happened. But I also rode an electric bike. Electric motorcycle? No. I've, you know, that, that time will come. But I did get to ride an electric bicycle. And it belonged to none other than uh, somebody who is... Oh, I don't know how to describe this person. But, uh, you know, they are in... They're not a mogul. But they are in... They're not on a ski slope, for Pete's sake. But they are in the electric vehicle category. Uh, they are an electric vehicle. Oh, yeah. And welcome to the Motorcycle Men podcast. All right. I got to talk to somebody who is in the electric vehicle uh, industry. And we had a great long talk. There's some bullet points that I made mentally. And uh, then he said, hey, dude, want to take this bike out for a spin? It's got a couple electric bicycles. And uh, it reminded me of how fun electric vehicles actually are. 
Now, <laughs> I know it sounded funny. I totally coughed and edited it out. So yeah, I got to ride this bike and it was a pedal assist and he was showing me all the great stuff on it. Not only was it a pedal assist, it was a fat tire. And I was like, oh crap, this is like the ultimate thing I would love to bring to the mountains where I used to mountain bike because around LA, it's like pretty flat or pretty steep. There's no like nice rolling in between. You know what I mean? And I thought, man, this thing is great. And not only is it awesome, you know, would it be awesome to uh, take out onto the beach or somewhere that's, you know, sandy and would probably be really hard to pedal. It had this thing called pedal assist. Now I know this isn't motorcycle related. And if you got your brand new ZX 14, you want to tell me all about it and how you're taking the corners all dag nasty and doing dank hoolies on your beat in gas tank and all this great stuff. But listen up, I just want to tell you two wheels, baby, how fun and exciting it is and how it's going to transition to some of the electric bike talk that we're going to talk about this year, and you're not going to like. But I got to tell you, you know, pound for pound electric bikes are super fun. And I've ridden electric motorcycles before, and I had to say, or I have to say now about the experience was that, uh, you know, it was fun being able to cruise with no noise. I know some people, especially uh, guys that need to ride bigger bikes and feel their balls jiggle around a little bit needs to ride those big Harleys and and big rumblers and and set off car alarms and all this great stuff. But man, riding an electric motorcycle was, I know it was pretty liberating. It was really fun. And it was nice being able to talk to a dude that caught up to me on another electric motorcycle and talk with him while we're riding, you know, without a Senna Bluetooth. As long as we were like riding like chips, like Ponch and John, we were set, you know, we we're good to go. So yeah, it it's an interesting thing. Um, and riding this bicycle made me realize that I haven't ridden an electric motorcycle in a long time. And I want to again, cause it's super fun. You don't, uh, you know, I wasn't being lazy. You could still pedal, you know, and, and, you know, when you're riding a motorcycle, it doesn't really matter, but there's elements that are taken away that you just kind of forget about you when you're pedaling and, uh, or when you're riding a motorcycle, Sometimes you just you're just cruising and you don't want the noise. You just want, you know, you get the wind, you get all that great stuff. And as I'm cruising around on this thing, I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I loved about the electric bike motorcycle that I rode is that there was no noise and you could kind of enjoy some stuff better. But also the amount of technology that has to get squeezed into this little thing was pretty amazing. And that's why this bicycle was so amazing to me, because I saw how much stuff he had put on this thing. And he's, uh, uh, you know, an EV dude. But given that, I mean, there was nothing special on this that he like custom made himself. He added a lot of stuff to it so you could get all these great little inputs and like this and that. Super minimal. And the fact that it's plug and play reminded me that, yeah, you don't have to be a mechanic when you're dealing with electric stuff. So it was really cool to be able to ride around and crank up the pedal assist. And it's like, hey, you're going to start pedaling. You could dial it up or down. So you could put it on full pedal. You're just going around. And it only had one gear. So that's the crazy thing about this. Not geared. Uh, You need that pedal assist if you're going to be doing any hills or any like super hard stuff, right? So you're going... You could give it throttle uh, manually or you could crank up the pedal assist and the pedal assist had like five or six different levels. And that just is like, hey, you're pedaling. Okay, you got it on level one. I'll give you like, you know, 10 percent. Got it on level two. I'll give you 15 percent all the way up to like 100 percent where you're just sitting on the bike and you rotate the crank forward like, you know, not even a full rotation. You just push down on the crank and the bike takes off like you don't even you're not even pedaling. 
And uh, the first time I ever rode an electric motorcycle, we joked about like sitting at a stoplight and blipping the throttle or like blipping the throttle to slow down and all this great stuff. Or uh, I'm sorry, to downshift when there's no tranny and all this crazy, funny stuff that you might think, you know, when you're transitioning from a, a internal combustion engine bike to an electric bike that you kind of forget about. You don't ever blip the throttle at, or like, you know, rev up the idle a little bit at a gas or at a gas station. That makes no sense because you're on an electric bike at a stop sign because you'll freaking wheelie, you know what I mean? And you'll pull out in front of traffic that's uh, cross traffic. So the same thing on this, I just, I wasn't ready and I almost like flew into this curb and that was ki- probably kind of funny to watch till I got the hang of it. But it kind of brought me back to like, oh yeah, that day that, you know, been a while now since I rode it. It was a Bramo, by the way. Uh, yeah, the day I rode the Bramo and it was like crazy because you had to think of some stuff until you got used to it. You had to kind of keep in mind, don't blip the throttle. And when you're sitting still, it's on. Don't sit there and give it gas like you could an ice bike and expect, you know, oh, let me watch the throttle body work. No, you're going to be popping a wheelie and falling off. So same sort of thing. Really, really cool though. The pedal assist kicked in when I when I hit the uh, put my foot down on the pedal, and I was like, you know, I have this hand put input over here that I was like anticipating using. And uh, when he told me that it is, is is based on the amount of input that you put into it, I just I wasn't ready for that. So that was really fun, and it really opened my eyes again and made me remember how fun electric could be. And the fact that all of this little stuff is packed into the bike bicycle frame. It's got like all these cool inputs on it. Like I said, uh, you know, these little displays telling you what level you've got on. It's got a speedometer. I got up to like 30 miles an hour on the thing. It was pretty fun. Um, he put in like a different kilowatt hour than comes stock on the bike battery. So you're getting like, you know, moped style or scooter style speeds on this fat tire bike, which is really fun. Um, you know, all of the controller and he was just showing me how everything worked in such a condensed package. Now he works with an electric vehicle field and the, we don't really, we didn't talk about the cars. I was more interested in the infrastructure and how that stuff's going to happen. So that's what we're going to talk about when I have this person on the show, we're going to get into that and just, it's like the background of what goes into when you're, when you're thinking about an electric bike, which probably most of you aren't, but soon you may be. Uh, all of this stuff, the background of it is so incredible and amazing to me to think about like all the stuff that's going to, has to happen first to make it possible. So don't worry, you know, there it'll be a few more years till the infrastructure is even there. So all you guys that, uh, you know, are afraid of being able to ride across country, uh, you know, having to stop at a gas station for 14 hours to charge your electric bike, you know. All that stuff is, is it's a it's a little mystery. It's a it's clouded in this little uh, secretive back behind the green curtain sort of room. And I'm gonna try to pull that curtain back a little bit for the people that are interested. And if you're not interested, well, guff yourself. That's right. I just made a quarter. All right. Well, let's take a quick break and uh, come back in one second. I'd like to talk about another friend of the show. I have two friends. everybody did you do it did you mess up this christmas were you supposed to get somebody that you loved a motorcycle related gift and you totally flaked on that or were you just supposed to get somebody that you don't know that well but you know that they're into motorcycles a motorcycle related gift and you flaked on it (laughs) well 
Let me help you out. If you got an upcoming birthday or any event, hell, Father's Day, Mother's Day, things like that, all occasions, go over to Etsy, search Daily Bikers, or go to dailybikers.com and look at the shop. That'll send you over to our friend Dan Michaels' site, where you can get most things that any motorcyclist in the world is looking for. You can find some cool prints. You can find birthday cards. You can find Father's Day cards. You can find Mother's Day cards. You can find Earth Day cards. No, I'm just making that up. Don't don't take my word for that. Just go, to go over there and check it out. He's got wrapping paper, though. I mean, maybe you don't want to get a card. Maybe you don't want to buy someone a print. Maybe you don't want to buy a candle or a candy box. It's got a cool motorcycle picture on it. They also have digital downloads. You can download like an adult coloring book, not adult, but you know what I mean, motorcycle related coloring book. But he's also got individual digital downloads in case you only want to pop one or two off. Maybe you got some kids, you're headed down to the racetrack, you don't want them to get bored in the car ride. Throw those babies in the back seat with a couple of crayons. Watch what happens. He's also got wrapping paper, though. I mean, maybe you're not even going to get somebody a gift. You got to wrap it. Don't be one of those jerks that just wraps it in the old nude paper. I said nude paper, but I meant newspaper. Anyway, yeah, do me a favor. Do Dan a favor. Go over to dailybikers.com or go to Etsy and search Daily Bikers and buy yourself and buy your friends some motorcycle goodies. You'll thank me for it later. All right. Enough said. All right, everybody, it's time to check in to the show. All right, here we go. This is, we're like almost half an hour in, time to get through talking about what I did, what, you know, what the weather's like and all that great stuff and get down, pardon me, to the nitty grit of the show this week. First things first, what do you think we'll be talking about? Yep, flat track. Hey, I don't know if you're ready for it, but this year is going to be an amazing year for the American Flat Track Series. The AMA Pro Flat Track, which used to be GNC1, is overgoing a total uh, overhaul. Overgoing an overhaul? That made no sense, but I'm going to roll with it. Um, I read an article recently, and I, I know I've talked about all this stuff independently on my own, but just sat down and plopped my eyes onto this wonderful article on asphalt and rubber. Well, they interviewed Michael Locke, who is the CEO of AFT, which is an American Flat Track series, and he had a few things to say about you know the state of American flat tracking. The, the first thing he is that he's an Englishman and he's coming kind of from an outside perspective. He isn't a flat tracker. He wasn't into the sport. So when he kind of came into it, he's wondering, okay, first things first, uh, I, I went to this race and, you know, I wanted to see the XR. It's such a legendary bike and it's been around. It's getting phased out by the new uh, XG why on earth are the guys, the factory Harley riders, in here riding Honda CR, uh, CRF 450s? Uh, that doesn't make any sense. And so one of the things that he saw was that the guy, everybody's riding twins, whether you're in the GNC1 or the GNC2, uh, or everybody's riding singles. <clears throat> pardon me. And he's like, dudes, this like really doesn't make any so weird. I came here to see, you know, the guys, the Harley racer guys, and and here they are on these 450s. Like, what gives? So here's what gives, actually. 
if you look at uh, Brad Baker, Jared Mees, um, let me let me think of a couple other guys. I think, um, well, let's just roll with those two first. You know, let's take it, steal everybody else's thunder. I think Henry Wiles is on a Suzuki, but uh, you look at guys like that. They ride for the hack factory Harley Davidson. Kenny Coolbeth does too. Um, but when they're on the short track, all they got is uh, the Hondas, Honda CRF 450s. So what, you know, makes zero sense. Sammy Halbert's out there cruising around on a Ducati Hypermotard 1100. He's riding a YZ 450. Like, there's no parity there between, uh, you know, basically the branding. And that's one thing that Harley's done really well. Harley's stuck with racing over the years, and the XR is like the smallest bike until the streets came out. Uh, you know, we won't count the blast, but it's a, uh, you know, they actually stuck with it for all these years and had this really bitchin' kick ass competitive bike. So it's kind of interesting to see that they are going to pay guys to only ride it half the year and still use their name. You know, they're cruising around on these Hondas with uh, the name. So that was one of the things he saw is that, you know, I'm kind of confused as an outsider looking in, uh, you're calling it GNC one and GNC two. Eh? We we already have GNCC, which is the Grand National Cross Country. We also have, we have WRCS. Uh, you know, with all the enduro cross, arena cross, motocross, everything has that. Why don't we? You know, all these acronyms that we love to throw on our racing series to confuse them. And here's GNC one and GNC two within the same racing series. Why don't we just do this? Why don't we call them twins? American flat track twins. Those guys are on twins. American flat track singles. Those guys are on singles. And that's your class instead of GNC1 and GNC2. And we're all riding the same bikes, but we're not. Well, let's just split it like that. So that actually, to me, makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, there's this may seem kind of weird, but it, on one hand, you have a, a better OEM uh, capabilities. Now, Harley will be racing all the tracks now. Harley will be racing flat track. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, short track, miles, TTs. Everything is going to be on the XR or XG750. Um, all the guys are going to be on twins, big twins for all these races. The GNC2 class, what used to be, the you know, GNC2 will now be called the singles. And they're all going to be on the dirt bike looking bikes. And it also made sense, you know, when you're watching... You know, the guys cruise around in their Harley colors. Now, Brian Smith, he rides a Ninja 600, and or he did last year. He won the championship on a Ninja 600. He also rode a Kawasaki KX450. So, see, Brian Smith's got some OEM sort of, you know, he can, he can cross over to the, you know, Team Green for life, you know, Team Green forever, where those other guys were kind of having to... You know, I, I got the special bike bill. I, you know, A, I have to buy more than one brand of bike or I have to like uh, service. You know, I'm sure the factory Harley pays for that. But are they going to pay for your Honda? I don't, you know, I don't think so. You know, there may be some little clause in there where for your career that they're going to help you out with a contingency or something. But I doubt that they're, you know, they obviously don't have parts to supply you. So it is kind of a weird thing where at least Brian Smith racing for Kawasaki had that you know, brand identification. He's Crosley Radio. He's Kawasaki. He's Team Green. You know, he, he they could sponsor him on their website and everything would be all great and kosher because he's not running off. J.D. Beach, I think, was the same way. Uh, I'm pretty sure that J.D. Beach is a Yamaha boy, and I'm pretty sure that he was racing the, um, the FZ07 
and the uh, YZ450. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that he was on Yamaha's the whole time. But you do have these other guys. You had Beamers running. You have that like F800s, I think, were running um, on the shorter tracks. I think maybe KTMs were running. Yeah, I know KTMs had, had a bike, but I think that was in the 450 class. So that's the thing. I mean, you have all this like uh, discrepancy, really. And if you break it into two, now you can have... You know, the big guys ride the big bikes. They have the factory going for that. Honda, I'm sorry, but your CRF 450s are going to be asked out. Or are they? Because Honda has a 750 motor and Honda has uh, extremely capable twins and they can run, you know, their tw- any of their twin motors, you know what I mean, and uh, compete. And so the CRF 450s, now that can be for the singles class. So Honda can actually step up to the premier class instead of just being relegated to the uh, singles class or the short tracks, as it were. So I think that it's like a what he's doing here, what Michael Locke is suggesting is that, you know, where you're it seems like you're creating all these, you know, missed opportunities now. But I think you're actually creating you're closing a window and you're opening a door. So uh, that's what I think is going to happen as far as manufacturers go. It's going to be able much more easy to identify the guys. They're all going to be in leathers this year, too. So no more seeing the guy. And then all of a sudden he's in some wacky uh, motocross colors and he's in a motocross helmet. And you can't tell him apart because he doesn't have his normal team colors on. And he's running whatever he wants. You know what I mean? So it's kind of weird. That was always something, too, that, uh, you know, until you kind of saw them because they could change their motocross gear every year. But if they were in their leathers, that stuff, you know, is a little bit harder to one off, you know, for each race. So uh, they're kind of stuck with that stuff. And it's kind of what makes MotoGP fans get a color, you know, Valley, you know, he's like that weird putrid yellow and blue. Um Lorenzo, red and white, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, not Lorenzo, uh, Marquez, 93, and it's always red. Lorenzo, um, I guess we'll see what colors he's going to be. I'm not, no, I don't know exactly. I know he's riding Ducati this year, but, you know, that's what kind of identified him. And so when you get stuff like that and you can kind of like stick it to the guy, there you go. Boom, branding. You've branded the guy. Not only have you uh, made it easier for a newcomer to see this guy race every week and identify him. You've also created that branding with the rider, the factory and their cut, their livery, basically their colors. So I thought that was actually kind of cool. It kind of streamlined stuff. And that's actually one of the things that he wanted to do is like streamline the series. You make it easier like that. You free up a little bit of logistics. You make it more able for the guys to, you know, it doesn't cost as much now to race. You can race more. They got 18 tracks this year, three TTs. It's going to be pretty freaking amazing. And I'm going to quote from this article uh, on Asphalt and Rubber. uh, Quote, this is Michael Locke's uh, quote. We're exploring ways to show manufacturers that the audience for Flat Track isn't 100,000 people that'll go to the events, but rather that the millions that will watch the races on the internet are worth marketing to. There may not be interest from Harley Davidson to target the Brazilian fans of Flat Track, but it is attractive. Or, but is it attractive to KTM, Honda, or someone else? Hell yes, it is. End quote. And I agree. So there you have it. You know, KTM, Honda, Kawasaki, these guys that you know, Honda needs to get a bike for the mile now, you know, and KTM, they've got some pretty uh, capable bikes that can run both classes. So, 
you know, stuff like that. These guys, and and it's not just that, but you know, like I said, I've seen Beamers running, Ducati's obviously running. You know, Sammy Halbert was running that. So you have these guys that also have these hipster brands, and I know it's like the hooligan class and all that stuff that I always love and and watch. That stuff, um, it's really it makes it a little bit more accessible if the normal guy can do it. And even you know, maybe it won't be a guy that is like, you know, you're not gonna see what am i trying to say here they're ba- they're making bikes like the the desert sled and the scrambler and <clears throat> stuff like that marketing toward like a, a younger hipper crowd it doesn't have to be a bunch of old fuddy-duddy old men here in the i mean obviously the racers aren't but the attitude sort of is you know all these stodgy old rules and this and that and it's like hey man you got oems like bmw making a scrambler and ducati making a scrambler and a lot of people take them and triumph even. And then they go out and have some dude, some hipster has a guy, some custom builder pay to make it a tracker looking bike. Or some builder builds a sweet ass tracker off that platform and like, uh, you know, Indian trackers. I'm so waiting for Indian to make that tracker a, a, a factory bike, you know, or something sort of like it, like a street bike that looks a little bit like that. That'd be so awesome. And so here you go. That it directly engages the 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 scene, the crowd, the new fans that can potentially identify with that brand now and that style. So now they're going to watch the sport from which it came. Now I'm not a huge stick and ball sort of guy, um, so I'm not really 100 percent sure. But I, I do know that the more rules you have, the harder it is for you know stuff to you know for people to just come in and enjoy a sport. And I used to watch hockey when I was a kid. I used to play soccer uh, just a few years ago, and I like lo- really like watching it. But even those, like once in a while, they make some weird rule changes, and especially football and baseball, like they make a lot of crazy rule changes, and you got to be paying attention to it. And like rugby, I love watching rugby. I have no idea what some of the rules are. I don't know why they stop play sometimes, and sometimes they don't. I mean, you can watch it for a little while, but I just. You know, you got to know the rules. Well, flat tracking, how easy is it now that you can come in and say, hey, you go in a circle, you went, you know, the fans really don't have to worry about too much technical stuff like you do with MotoGP. Oh, there's, you know, for the last few years, there's been all this stuff about the electronics packages and now winglets. And now, you know, everybody's going to be using the stock ECU. And that was terrible because then you can't, you know, it's like all the political drama that gets behind it that people really take up. You can kind of, um, you can still build that. You can build drama. You can build all sorts of, you know, as as much fan involvement as you want to, but it shouldn't really be inaccessible. Nobody should really have to research the rules on why tires can't be XXX in order to race on this track like you sometimes do with World Superbike or MotoGP or all these other stuff. You know, it should just be, hey, look, there's dudes cruising around in a circle, banging bars. Voila, we got, you know... Whoever crossed the finish line first wins. Um, so that's really, you know, what what he's trying to do here. He's saying, you know, we we can make it simple for people to come and watch. Younger kids that are buying these street trackers and stuff to come watch. Hell, they partnered with the X Games, and in the last few years, they did. They even did like that snow cross a couple of years ago, I think, in in Aspen, I think. Um, and so they're, you know, the X Games is like. They're the headliner now, and they actually, you know, 
take it seriously enough to where they compete. You know, they race the hell out of those bikes. And when they were in Austin, they were just like a motocross track almost that they were jumping on. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're taking it way more seriously. They're getting way more exposure to younger crowds as it is. And these brands that are making cool hip bikes that might have a concept tracker or something, hell, you're going to engage them. So who is not just Harley and Indian, you know what I mean? There's everybody else that's, that's still in it. So I think that's cool. Uh, one of the things that people were complaining about, and Michael Locke said that he walked around the paddock, he asked people's advice. Why are, why do we do it this way? Why are we doing this? Oh, that's the way we've always done it. Or we did it this way because of, you know, like the Peoria TT, man, we were just guys, it's scary enough on the singles. We don't want to do it on big framers. And it's like, well, why don't you like slow it down a little bit then? Or why don't you modify the track or something? And, and not to digress, but I've heard a lot of podcasts talking about uh, inaccessibility because of the speeds, the bikes, you know, Daniel Blair on uh, the main event motor podcast was talking a while back about think things are getting too fast. Do you need like a 650 out there racing on a motocross track? Like Travis Pastrana did stuff on his 125 that dudes on 250s and 450s couldn't do. And he was a fast little kid. And, you know, there's a 250 class and a 450 class. How much like more horsepower do you need? They're just like cranking horses out of these smaller displacement bikes. And how crazy do you really need to go? And so, you know what? Who cares? Like you're on a framer. You're going to go slower around the Peoria TT and not jump as far. That's a win-win-win in in my opinion. And I think Michael Ox sees it the same way where it's going to create tighter racing. You're not going to gap the field because you're comfortable on a motocross bike and other riders like Brian Smith admitted that he's not very good at short track. So he worked on short track all last year, came away with the victory. Um, But, you know, some dudes like riding the big fast bikes and they don't get comfy on the little motocross bikes. So then like when you're hucking it at Peoria, which is a lot of people are scared because they're flying so far, we'll slow the hell down, you know, get a little group group might be a little closer. Henry Wiles might not get his 14th victory this year. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, it's interesting. You make it safer, but you also make the racing better. And it's all because you just go a little bit slower. I mean, we're, we're, I've said it before in another podcast We're soon, uh, I mean, we're already uh, making machines that we ride that way, way, way outdo what our physical bodies are capable of like controlling. You know, we're, we're flinging ourselves off in high sides. The, uh, safety gear can only go so far. So why not just slow down a little bit? You know what I mean? Like it's still exciting. It's almost more exciting because then it's the rider's skill. Um, <coughs> pardon me, the rider's skill. And not the speed at which you can jump your little, you know, you're comfortable jumping your single. Um, so I think it'll make the racing a lot more tighter. And it uh, again, going back to the fan establishment and the OEM establishment, it'll be that much better for the people watching, in my opinion. So, yeah, he's really trying to make it a success. He shopped it out over Europe uh, over the summer. There's, I mean, the rebranding that happened at the end of the last year was just incredible. And when you see stuff like the Super Prestigio and X Games picking it up, you realize there is market exposure for it right now. There is an audience that's just growing, and it's just that much cooler to see see it trickle down to the hooligan classes, the local classes, um, some of the grassroots stuff that's going on, and uh, also being embraced by 
other, you know, by the OEMs, as it were. So, yeah, if you want to go check out, uh, go to Asphalt and Rubber, just type in Michael Locke, Future of Flat Track Racing or something like that. Uh, it'll it'll pop up. That article will pop up and you can read everything that he has to say in there. But I think it's really awesome, the concepts that he has laid out um, for the season this year. And, you know, it's interesting that it's affecting the motorcycle industry, as it were. I know everybody and their mom. I posted up on Monday on creativewriting.com that Victory was closing its doors, full well knowing that I wasn't going to put the podcast out until Friday. So every, everywhere that I've been uh, listening to all week, and I'm sure there's a couple more days left of it, people have been talking about Victory closing its doors. And, you know, I kind of joked about Eric Buell, you know, Harley wasn't doing so great there for a few years. What if they would have dropped Harley for Buell? <laughs> you know, who knows what would have happened. But Victory, unfortunately, they got the big... They used the uh, little fish to get the big fish, I guess. Even though Indian wasn't on anybody's radar for a while, they really picked it up and have run with it. And as a result, they're closing victory. They're doing everything flat track, or not flat track, everything Indian now. But a big part of that is flat track. They got they stole Harley's top three riders and, uh, you know, top two riders, and then added... Um, Brian Smith to their roster. So the top three guys in flat tracking are now on the Indians payroll. So you got to figure they got to make some cuts somewhere. Fortunately, I heard that they're not cutting um, any, or they're keeping both factories open. I, I don't know if they're cutting yet. We'll, we'll, it'll be uh, interesting to hear what victory says as they wind down operations, but you can't help but think that this is a directly related partially to their racing endeavor. As Buell found out, you can't be a racer who tries to sell motorcycles. You have to sell motorcycles and then race them on the side. So that's all good and interesting. And I'm pretty excited for the flat track happenings this year. Having said that, I believe I did mention that the Hell on Wheels flat track happened and upcoming this January 28th and 29th, I believe. 27th, 28th? No, 28th and 29th. The Ivy League is going to have their one and only appearance down in Del Mar. So you need to, if you're in uh, Southern California, you know, San Diego area specifically, you need to get down there and check it out because from there, they're probably going to be doing their run like they did last year. They started in 2014 and had like two or three races. 2015, sort of the same thing. I think they had about six or seven races, six races. Uh, 2016, they just kind of blew up. I mean, for having under 10 races, I'm going to guess under 10 races uh, under their belt, all of a sudden 2016 was the like pinnacle year, was a pivotal year for them uh, for sure. So I think they're going to be touring and doing all the stuff that they did, like Arizona Bike Week, uh, the Buffalo Chip, all that great stuff. Doing a lot of, they did some moto, uh, I think they did at Stagecoach or something like that, which is a music festival. So, or the Lost Highway, rather. Yeah, that's probably, I think it was Lost Highway. So, um, yeah, lots of cool stuff happening that they're like helping sponsors. So, it's going to be an incredible year. And unfortunately, they're not going to have a series in San Diego. I'm super bummed about that because uh, I'm going to have to go out to Paris to see some other stuff, I guess. And Costa Mesa, as Bri Viffer pointed out, which is probably about the same distance to, to, uh, for me as Costa Mesa. Um, or go up to Kern County or something like that. Like everything's, everything's, I'm, I'm fortunate to be 
you know, just a few minutes from here and there, probably 40 minutes from the tracks and then like an hour or so from Kern County. So yeah, there are a lot of flat tracking uh, to be had, but I'm just so bummed that um, Ivy League isn't going to be kind of around and my, you know, I love watching their stuff. They've always put on great stuff. So um, yeah, that's that for flat tracking. Let's quit talking about flat tracking and move on to other stuff. Company that makes flat trackers, but uh, in a couple years, they won't be. And that's Triumph. So there's my news intro for Triumph. Uh, Triumph, I was listening to Motofire, who is a really good, they're like Britain's answer to asphalt and rubber, I'm going to say. That's my opinion. Uh, I was I was listening to their uh, little show they have. They have like a video podcast, sort of vidcast. And they were talking about uh, several things happened in the news. And Triumph was one of those things that came up. And from what I've heard, they were talking about Triumph having a 90% profit increase, not 90% sales increase. Those are two different things. They said the sales numbers actually hadn't changed that much, but the profit increase grew 90%. And that has to be because... They are uh, offshoring most of their production, I believe, to Thailand or Indonesia or something like that. So that's got to be where it is. But they made news again when they uh, now that Honda is ditching all of their 600 uh, CC, you know, the Honda's pulling out Super Sport for some reason. Everyone thinks Super Sport's going to die as a result, but Honda tends to do their own things and a lot of people don't follow. Um, so now that Honda's gone, Triumph is going to be supplying uh, Moto2 engines from the 2019 season on. So I think for 2018, the rest of 2017, um, you know, I'm not 100% sure what's going to be happening. They probably already have this deal secured since, you know, they would have thought of that last year. So uh, at the, the deal with Honda ends in the end of 2018. So from 2019 on, they're going to be racing the three-cylinder, like, uh, 675s, I'm guessing. Blocka Waka! Newsflash! This is a drop from the future! I just double-checked. It's not the 675. It is going to be the new 765, is what I'm guessing. That They just released that this year, uh, you know, recently. A couple weeks ago, week ago. And uh, I believe that's what they're going to be racing. Seen a video of Carl Fogarty uh, on the new Street Triple uh, R. They have a Street Triple, Street Triple R, and a Street Triple RS. Um, I'm guessing that those, you know, they're all 765s. Um, they sound like F1 engines, so it's going to be pretty cool. And something else from Triumph. It's interesting. They come out with the bobber this year. Uh, they also, you know, redoing the, the, uh, the Street Triples. They also kind of revamping their i mean it's been around forever but the scrambler the triumphs had a scrambler kit for a long long time and since they redid all their stuff all their uh, motors for this year and went water cooled and all that I, I think it's pretty cool actually um so triumph is one of those weird companies that like hipsters embrace and somehow they have the money to buy these kind of expensive bikes kind of like the BMW R9T, that's pretty expensive for a bike. If you're asking me, you know, somebody that's going to buy a, quote, scrambler, uh, even compared to the Ducati and stuff, um, I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing, but but a lot of people are digging the Triumphs, which is pretty cool. Um, they are kind of like uh, older ones are getting kind of like BMW, older BMWs and older Harleys where like everybody, 
is kind of turning to those and kind of looking away from the old Jap bikes and stuff. So it's really interesting right now to see what Triumph's doing. If you want to see some of my favorite Triumphs, go to Mule Motorcycles. Um, that's a guy who has been building trackers, street trackers and flat trackers since, you know, before you were even in diapers. Unless you're really old and then you're already in diapers. So maybe it was before you were in diapers. <laughs> All right. Well, enough about Triumph. Um, really great things coming out of that company, uh, especially offshoring all of their work and putting Britons out of work. I love when companies do that. I love when American companies do that, too. Uh, well, you know, this world is getting crazier and crazier, folks. Well, one of the things that's so crazy is the other thing that blew up the Internet was Honda's self-balancing motorcycle. That's another crazy thing to me. But is it so crazy? Um, I mean, BMW announced theirs first, but that's more surprising to me than Honda. Honda's probably had this thing in the closet. They're like, well, shit, BMW's doing this. I'm going to pull this baby out. Um, you know, my friend, I had a good friend from Japan uh, a long time ago. and. He always had the coolest stuff. Um, he had like, you know, this is back like before everybody had an iPod or a smartphone. So you used to have to carry around a cassette thing to listen to uh, cassette tapes. You know, it's like a Walkman. And it was the size of a freaking uh, a small briefcase. I don't know. They were they were big. And he had this one that was l almost just barely bigger than the the case that cassettes come in. If you're like a hipster and you only buy cassettes and vinyl, you know what I'm talking about. But for everybody else, they're this little square rectangular thing that was really thin. And I mean, it's kind of like the size of a, a little bit bigger than a, a deck of playing cards. Um, but then imagine the machine that you had to throw that into to listen to it. But his, this little thing that he brought from Japan, man, they've been on it. And he's like, oh, you know, this is like back in the 90s. He's like, yeah, and my friend, my mom has like a like but what we think oh a Roomba you know they already had that and they probably had it in the 80s I mean they probably had the Apple Watch has probably been extant in Japan for you know 20 years now I remember w watching a video of a guy uh I think it was from the 80s or something I don't even know if it was a commercial in the 80s or what it was but he's looking down at his watch and it had a little TV on it and I was like oh ha, 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 that's so funny that like back in the 80s everyone thought like oh wow this is like sci-fi but it's it was probably real in Japan. So this self-balancing bike thing has probably been around since, uh, you know, the early 70s. And they're just now cartoning it out. The most amazing thing that everybody, I think, has pointed out is that they're not using gyroscopes. Gyroscopes make bikes fat. Gyroscopes mean that you, um, you know, like a Segway has them. Uh, you need to be low and wide and all that great stuff. Well, this is just using, um, you know, basically it kind of lengthens the frame. And, and I, I read one report that said that it detaches the forks from the triple clamps. I don't think that's true. I think it probably has like a, some sort of pivoting mechanism in there. Well, I really haven't like looked into much into it, but it is interesting and it uses, it's more like a human riding a bike where the, you, you make small little um, inputs to the handlebar and the weight uh, distribution to keep the bike upright that way. And basically from what I've heard, that's how it works rather than using the gyro. So that's, it's pretty amazing technology. Uh, Kawasaki, Yamaha, they all have these crazy riding robots that apparently can ride the bikes too. So maybe the robot brains, um, well, Kawasaki doesn't really, but Yamaha does has a robot 
And maybe that little robot was learning and his brain is going to go whoop, whoop, whoop down into the bike. And you won't actually have his physical body riding the bike, but you will have his inputs acting on like servos or whatever the hell they're going to be using to to make the bike ride. And, you know, one of these days we might have riderless bikes. You fall off your bike during a police chase. Well, uh, you know, if an officer falls off his bike, the bike can still chase you down. So maybe that's what this stuff will be good for. And uh, you want to you text somebody and stand on your gas tank and turn around and text them? That takes real skill nowadays. I've seen, I always make fun of people that do it in the videos that like tank surf or turn around and stand on their seat during those like ride of the century dudes, all those bras on their like uh, caged out, you know, I don't know, R ones and whatever the hell. And they're standing on their seat, taking a picture of all the dudes doing wheelies behind them. Well that, you know, you don't, you won't need those. Anybody will be able to do that. Basically, I guess is what I'm getting at. You'll just be able to stand on your seat and ride and the bike will drive for you. Well, I'm not going to call it riding because it will be driving for you. And uh, you'll just be standing on the seat taking video of your friends. It'll be great. The future is going to be great. Uh, my coworker who actually turned me on to this story uh, told me that, you know, I said, you know, all the old uh, grumpy people at my work are talking about Skynet and robot overlords and all this great stuff. But he was like, you know what? Screw that. I'm going to just ride bitch on this thing and uh, <laughs> not worry about riding anymore. Like, I'll get you know, listen, get some uh, texting done and post on my Instagram. Heck, embrace it, right? So I don't know what the future is going to come to. Uh, I do know that um, there's a couple things that uh, as this generation, I've heard a lot of talk about millennials lately and social media, and that's something that I'm actually more scared of than self-driving bikes or self-correcting bikes or auto-balancing bikes and all that crap. That's something else I'm going to get into uh, in a second, let me look at my list here and make sure I don't have anything pending. Yeah. Okay. So we're good to talk about that right now. So the one thing that, uh, I have noticed is the the reason I kind of started thinking about all this is because, you know, we have all this new technology, we have all this great stuff. We have V to V, V to I, uh, I, you know, all this safety stuff coming on board, interactive stuff in car, like a lot of safety stuff in cars. I just saw this article the other day that was saying that how much safety um, packages cars come with, the dealers don't even know how to like sell it properly because they're like so uninformed about it. And auto braking, um, now with bikes, we're like, oh, we won't have all that junk. You know, ABS is like the most we'll have. Well, now we have auto balancing and self braking and all that traction control, all this great stuff. We do have all this stuff and we're not saying no to it. And when it's sort of like an airbag in a car or a seatbelt in the car, what was a luxury option is now uh, required. Backup cameras, I believe in 2017, are going to be required on all cars. Um, so how soon is it until ABS is required on all bikes? A lot of I've heard a few guys complain about not being able to like goon out on their uh, ADV bikes or like, um, you know, uh, semi off-road bikes because of the ABS. And now they're actually building ABS that actually works on dirt. Um, you know, a lot of dirt bikes are coming with some form of traction control. So there's all sorts of rider aids and we're not saying no to it. And pretty soon that's going to mean that it just becomes standard. And then as safety, you know, the guys that write the safety rules and the gals that, uh, write the safety rules don't really care how much fun you have on your bike. What they care about is that you're interacting with other people in this world and we keep each other safe. And I think that. Um, 
where how social media plays into all this is that uh, everything has become so, I mean, first off, social media is such a big part of it because more people are dying in a way because of social media. We're also connecting, but you know, if we're texting and getting in accidents, we're going to need all this safety stuff on there. We're going to need uh, stuff that says, hey, you idiot, like you're not looking up and there's a vehicle. Let's break. Let's put all these systems that are coming on board into place and correct this action that's going to kill somebody that maybe is paying attention but can't avoid you or gets rear-ended by you, yada, yada, yada. So on one hand, this technology that we're not saying no to um, is partially because of social media. I, I think the airbags and seatbelts were great because people just used to drive like a but now we're like super distracted. Once they started putting, uh, you know, back in the day, you used to have to have a special car like a limousine or like a town car that had some special hookups to get your phone into it. But nowadays, your phone is on you. So whatever you have that's connecting you and distracting you is with you at all times. And there, instead of like putting these things to jam phone signals in cars so that you can't uh, take a call, they said, hey, no, the people, people don't want that. You know, people want to be able to c- connect in their cars. People want to be able to do this. So they're making cars more connected. And it's actually kind of crazy. So therefore, we're going to have to have all these other crazy safety things. So we're really not going to be able to say no to some of the crap that's coming into the bikes and the cars. Um, They're going to say, listen, this is how consumers act and behave. So this is what we're going to do as a response uh, for safety. So the social whole social media thing is just so crazy. Not only that, but now we can connect with people and shame people on this massive level. Um, I mean, if you've been on uh, Facebook and you've seen like some of the stories where people get shamed and then the truth comes out later that, Oh, oops, it wasn't their fault, but it doesn't matter. Like in the public side, you're a criminal. It's kind of taken away that thing where you're innocent until proven guilty. Cause now through social media, we are like the, the, you know, judge and jury. It's, it's a lynch basically is what it is. That means, um, a lynching was usually, uh, the, the technical definition I believe is like, a trial without uh, a judge or jury or proper, uh, you know, due process basically. So lynch mobs in the day used to run out and grab people and just do it there. The judgment and punishment was enacted there. And uh, sometimes it was death. Sometimes it was getting run out of town on a rail or tar and feathered. Everybody's doing that on social media now. Right? So, uh, when you do something, not only not only does it drive me crazy that people text while they drive, it also drives me crazy when something happens in the motorcycle world or you know in any any social situation and everyone's there to bag on it. And whether that be for new technology, whether that be for you know what somebody does on a bike, somebody crashes a bike, somebody wheelies in the bike, some driver cuts people off, and now you know everybody's like against the driver. Maybe it was bike's fault or vice versa. Maybe the bike looked like he was hooning and the driver really was the idiot. So it's just such a weird thing, the social media thing. But the the craziest thing to me is that we're inviting that into our cars. And I I read a recent article uh, that said that Ford is pairing with um, Amazon. And I just think that's weird too, because, you know, as much as I, as much as we hate, like, uh, I don't know. I kind of hate like the, the notion of everything being controlled for me. Um, and, and this is all kind of related to this whole social media thing. Like the whole reason we have to have all these 
uh, breaking systems and everything, like I said, is because people are like too much interacting with social media to be present in the moment and like take time out and drive like you're supposed to. The other thing though, think about it. Every time you, what if you like your tire starts to go flat and all of a sudden your bike sends a thing to your phone. I'm sure cars are going to do it because, uh, you know, Ford partnering with Amazon is such a crazy thing. You're going to get like an ad for uh, here, some new all season radials. We noticed that your car, uh, life is down. Your tires have been or installed since blah, blah, blah. Here's here's the tire shops near you or your oil light just went on or your little oil sensor that tells you you have like 10% left. Here's some uh, coupons for Jiffy Lube or here's, you know, whatever. So it's just so weird. We really kind of are moving to the robot overlord thing. So the, the, the whole uh, self-balancing bike, nanny systems like traction control and ABS and and um, self-balancing bikes hooking into you know, their IMUs and not letting you crash all this like crazy nanny stuff. It isn't too far of a stretch. And then to pair that with, um, connectivity over social media and it, 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 some, there are some bikes that actually have an app for you to pair your phone to the bike to make it your, uh, display for your, like your, your, uh, tack and your your speedo and all that stuff really cool but then what if they went one more step and then tapped into like uh you know uh, displayed ads around that or something you know or like on your gps like nowadays they're displaying ads so i mean everything is a freaking ad to bring uh alexa and all that stuff into cars and then maybe into bikes as as they integrate this heads up display stuff is such a scary notion to me um if you've ever read the alexa um, things, uh, the, the disclaimers about your privacy and what you say, it tracks and stores every single thing you say to it. So to bring that into your car and have like a private conversation, uh, is just crazy. I mean, we're signing away our privacy and it kind of goes into, we're signing away our abilities to think for ourselves. And I know I've always harped on technology. I have no problem with like ABS working, um, and being man, not mandatory, but you know, an option for bikes because it does help people not crash. You know what I mean? I don't have a problem with that. What I, I kind of, uh, this technology of self-balancing bikes is great, but to me, it kind of, it takes away part of the experience of being a rider. You know what I mean? I don't care if your bike is electric or not because that, you know, to me, they're both riding and you're in control of both. It's when you start to take the control out of it, um, that you really kind of, it kind of bugs me a little bit. And that's why these self-balancing bikes, I think is cool technology. I think it's great for, uh, maybe disabled riders. Like if you want to get a self-balancing bike, instead of having to ride one of the Harley conversion kits or ride a Can-Am spider or something like that, you want to get a balancing, uh, a bike so that you can stay on two wheels or you're getting older and you want that as an option. Totally great. And, and I don't know if these will be forced on us at any time soon, um, and, and by that, I mean like the next 50 years, uh, but you know, things have been people, I, there's still people that don't like to wear seatbelts, um, for whatever reason, even though that they are all not hundred percent guaranteed to save your life, but totally reduce your risk. So it's just, this, it's this weird bridge right now. And to tie it into the social media thing, you know, we're, we're kind of giving away our privacy. And what I said about the Alexa thing being put into Ford cars now, Alexa records every single thing that you do or say, I'm sorry, and then markets it back to you. I, I, I was talking to somebody about it and it's scary, scary because it says that we record everything you say up in the cloud. A hacker could get to that, see what you've been talking about 
not that that's uh i don't know a hundred percent like hackable they'd have to listen to a lot of stuff to maybe get your information but they would totally know what's going on with you people could like stalk you it's really an interesting interesting thing and then to connect that with social media um all of a sudden your phone has connection to your uh your car your i mean your car rather has connection to everything that you're doing boom you're no longer private anymore and then that sends it out to maybe if your if your car reads that you're a bad driver the next vehicle you get it transfers over and tells them and you can't buy a motorcycle you got to buy an auto balancing bike or something i mean this is like total weird future stuff but look at what's happening right now it's not totally impossible you know what i mean like this is something you might want to consider and i'm given like a 50 year time frame here but these things are uh, are extant right now like honda just brought out this stinking bike ford is merging with amazon like all this stuff is is just it's crazy to think about and it's just it's a huge i know this is kind of like out there thinking and it's kind of a large net that i'm casting but just like the internet like making the world a smaller place, like all of this stuff kind of does. It chips away at um, what you value as privacy and, and, and what you, I mean, basically are give, are willing to give up. Um, people think Alexa is so cool or the, the Echo, I should say the, the Echo, I think is what the device is called, but Alexa is the little voice. It's kind of like Amazon's version of Siri, which I'm sure Siri also records your crap. You know what I mean? And I don't know. It's just interesting to think of over the past few years, Facebook has chipped away at our privacy on some level. And at first people pushed back and then uh, they came back, revised it, uh, you know, and then people pushed back again and they revised it again. But ultimately they have access to you. um, Obviously all your, your personal information, your friend information, whenever you log into something now and you, or, or uh, everybody wants to be part of that. All these advertisers want to get into the Facebook thing and Facebook's basically just trying to get you to click on that page uh, one, five, five seconds or whatever. And then they get paid by that company or whatever, maybe to, uh, yeah, we're, we're really retaining customers because of what you've done. So, of course, Facebook wants to send out all your uh, con- reach out and grab all your contacts and bring them in. So not only are you hosing yourself, you're hosing your friends in a way. And pretty soon uh, you've chipped away at their privacy because now nothing's private anymore. Everybody knows who your friends are. Everybody knows what you do. Everybody knows what you buy. Everybody knows how many times a month you buy razors or underwear or socks. And then you can't do anything anymore without all this crap like constantly coming at you. And the thing is, is that you're now, you've already been doing it for a while on your stupid phones and computers, and now you're doing it in your cars and your bikes and all that stuff. So I don't know, it's kind of a far, it's not really that hard to stretch the threads in between and make a little diagram on your wall here of how things are going and how self-balancing bikes seems like a quirky little thing now. And the internet seems like a quirky little thing now. Um, but when you start pairing the two together and it just becomes like, it really does become Skynet or robot overlords. Um, I'm not talking about the robots taking control of us, like I robot or none of that stuff, but somebody else, your insurance company, for instance, like I'm sure they have a Facebook page. I'm sure if they paid enough, they could, they could get access to the information that's being mined from all this crap, you know, already progressive has it with their snapshot. They're like installing a a black box into your car. They're getting direct access, but you can go through third party stuff roundabout way 
Um, they can see what you like. They could see you're buying race tires online and, oh, are you racing? Because we might want to charge you more for your bike if you're doing a track day or blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. It is. I know I just kind of went out there in crazy town, but man, obviously I'm passionate about about this stuff. And with every new piece of technology, no matter how awesome it is, you kind of got to look at the backside of it. You know what I mean? And you kind of got to look at what else is going around and, uh, you know, I see that you can get apps in your car now, but then what are they tracking? You know, it's great. It's great to be in this time because we have so much uh, at our fingertips at all times. But on the on the downside of that, at the end of our fingertips are other people's fingertips touching that. And who's who's on that other hand is what I want to know. And what's it going to mean for how much you actually get to enjoy um, what you enjoy now, what you consider your freedoms now, and what you consider, you know, in 50 years, are you going to be able to buy a bike that doesn't drive you? You know what I mean? How much are you really going to be riding bikes or driving your cars? And how much um, free thought are you actually going to be having if it's like constantly pumping those hide and out tires ads at you, you know, and, and you go to buy tires and you're like, hey, do I do I want to go buy some Shinkos or Kendas or Dunlops or wait, why do I want to buy these like you know, TKC 80 so much is because this, the ad's been pumped to you 8,000 times over your heads up helmet or whatever, you know, I don't know. Anyway, this has been a total crazy town rant and I'm going to uh, take a quick break. So I'll let the steam finish uh, pouring out of my ears, but think about it, man. Think about it. I'm not that crazy uncle. It gets, uh, lives in the van by the river to go off grid. Just want you to think about it. Hey, sorry to throw Honda under the bus like that. Maybe um, that was a little unwarranted, but, you know, something to think about as all this great connectivity rolls in and we can start controlling our house from our car and, and, uh, okay, Rand, I'm down, I'm down. You just took a break, took a break. But one thing I do want to talk about Honda, if you own a Honda, there are 1.3 million Hondas that have been recalled over passenger airbag, you know, the Takata airbag company has been, gosh, I think for the last like three or four years under fire uh, because of the airbags causing deaths and uh, being problematic in general. And so there's a second stage recall. Certain Honda vehicles, um, the 2008 to 12 Accord, the 2010 to 12 Crosstour and Insight, the 2006 to 11 Civic, the 2005 to 11 CRV and Element, uh, the 2012 FCX Clarity, the 2007 to 12 Fit, which my wife used to own, a 2005 to 12 Pilot, the 2006 to 12 Ridgeline, uh, certain Acura vehicles like the 0506 Acura MDX, the 05 to 12 Acura RL, the 2009 to 12 TSX. You know, that was a cute little car. The uh, 11 and 12 TSX wagon and the 10 and 12 ZDX models. Um, Why you ask am I talking about Honda airbags? Who gives a holy about Honda airbags? Well, along with those, 3,580 uh, Goldwing motorcycles manufactured from 2006 to 2009 are fitted with Takata airbags. Yes, I bet you didn't know if you're not a Goldwing fan 
that there is an option and it's like the last, the final option that's got, you know, ABX, Navi, audio and airbag and reverse. Big boys have reverse on them or big girls, whatever your bike is. But yeah, so if it was between 06 and 09, you might want to check it out, run your VIN. Uh, maybe if you bought your bike used and you don't, you're not the original uh, owner and they might not be forwarding you this recall notice, check it out. Uh, that's 11.4 million vehicles, including motorcycles that need their airbags checked, possibly replaced because of the Takata thing. And, uh, I believe there are going to be some executives that are going to be brought up on charges for this. Um, you know, in China, that stuff is like the death penalty, but in Japan, I think they could be a little bit more lenient. Uh, they're going to make them ride the PC 800 and the NM four though, uh, as punishment. And, uh, so, you know, I'd probably rather do Harry Curie than ride one of those. All right. Well, hey, there's one more topic to cover before we start wrapping up the show here. And that is a little bit of history that I want to talk about today. Um, so this episode is coming out uh, Friday the 13th. Next Friday will be the 20th of January. And there's a person I want to talk about who was born on the 20th of January. This person started riding motorcycles at the tender age of seven, uh, won a mini moto championship at the age of nine. That year, this person went on to race like a half season in a 125cc championship, and not just any 125cc championship, 125cc Grand Prix racing. 2003, he rode his first full season and uh, began riding with a certain number on on uh, his bike. In 2004, he recorded his first win, taking it from Casey Stoner, actually when Casey Stoner fell, got two poles that season and uh, his podium, of course. 2005, finished fifth in points and was offered in 2006 a chance to step up. In 2006, this person stepped up to the 250cc class riding a Jalera for the next few years and finishing uh, 10th in 2006, 10th in 2007, just showed immediate consistency, uh, got, you know, didn't get any wins or podiums, but just extremely consistent overall, which drove this person uh, up. And when they transferred over to to the 250 class, they were the only one of uh, eight uh, riders to do so, which in the previous years, I guess there was a lot of riders. So that really speaks volumes of how good this person actually was and uh, the type of talent that this person had. From 2006 to 2009, rode the Jalera RSA250, and then in 2010 was offered a factory ride uh, with Honda on the RC212V. In 2010 was a super contentious year. This person, um, I believe th- they had, uh, you know, some uh, slow start to 2010, actually. Uh, they suffered two preseason crashes uh, at Sepang. One of them cracked the helmet. So 2010 got off to a little bit of a slow start, but this person still managed to finish eighth that year. 
Although we had a factory ride with Honda, it was on their satellite team, I think. So come 2011, he gets offered an actual factory ride with Grissini on their, you know, the RC212V or whatever. And, you know, gets a full factory-backed ride. And this this person's making some strides. This person started 2011, again, not a firestorm, but consistent. And definitely making a name after their rookie year. And, you know, really started to uh, finish higher and finish more consistently. And, you know, start mixing it up with the people up at the front. And that garnered a lot of attention. Uh, that and the personality of this person. Uh, really seemed to fuel the the sport and the sanctioning bodies like love uh, for this person. Tragically, on October 23rd, number 58, Marco Simoncelli was involved with a collision with Colin Edwards and Valentino Rossi. And I, wa- I was watching the race live as the very last season of MotoGP that I ever watched. Um, terrible crash, not because of the crash or anything, but just that's when I began my family and I, and I ditched cable and MotoGP started to get a little Formula One for me anyway. But that was the last season I watched of MotoGP and really followed racing was 2011. And I remember watching the crash and the next day, one of my coworkers asking me about it because on the rebroadcast, they cut it. You know what I mean? They they had to fill the time. They were obligated to fill the, the time, but they cut the actual crash out. And um, that was, you know, really classy on their part. But I remember watching the crash and watching his helmet come off and watching Valentino Rossi look back at his at his lifetime friend on the track there. And I, I couldn't imagine what was going through his mind at the time, but you could tell that it, it wasn't, you know... When I've never seen a, a rider lose a helmet on the track before, it was it was just it was gut wrenching. And here's this big haired, tall, funny guy with a great sense of humor. None of the drama that Lorenzo and Marquez and Rossi have been going through with all the crazy, silly season and conspiracy theory and and inner fighting, team fighting, and this and that. He was just he he made some moves on track that people didn't like. He apologized for it. He owned up to his um, you know, his actions on the track. He was a from what I understand, a real stand-up guy and uh, you know, a real cute kid, uh, jovial, all this and that. So uh it's not the last time that we've had tragedy in motorcycle racing, but uh, it's the last time that I ever really saw it um, watching live. And, and yeah, I'll never forget that that day that um, Super Sick passed. And uh, so episode 58 of Creative Writing is dedicated to you, Super Sick. I had to uh, weigh it in my head. Do I do episode 58 for him or episode 20, uh, our next week's episode for him since his, his uh, birthday is on the 20th. So um, going ahead and calling this one the the super sick um remembering this guy and and what a great contribution to MotoGP and to racing this guy was uh after legit coming up through the ranks and you know making such a big impression on the racing world there's only three numbers that have been ever retired his is one kevin schwantz is in one and uh, dajiro kato is the third one and so uh i remember a couple years ago they gave his uh 
you know, father and uh, like a little plaque and, and they retired when they retired his number and they said, nobody can use it unless the family decides they can. But, uh, I think it's one of those, one of those really, uh, classy things. The next race, everybody had 58s on their bikes and, and it was just, I don't know. It made me feel good that people remembered this guy and uh, paid their respects the way they did, and nobody held a grudge again. It was it was it was a genuine loss. It wasn't like a villain had left the sport or something like that. It was it was tragic and beautiful at the same time, and and uh, hopefully his memory will live on as as one of the coolest and nicest um, MotoGP riders out there. If not, you know, it's the guy that loved racing for racing, and not because he was you know racking up trophies or anything like that so um they come and they go some sooner than they should that sniffling was my cold dudes i have a cold right now that tear in my eye i don't know what that was hey hey you if you're looking for something to do and you're in the la area Saturday, January 14th from 7 to 11 at Lucky Wheels Garage, the second annual women's motorcycle show celebrating women and motorcycling, but also celebrating six years of Moto Lady. I heard there's going to be some sweet builds there, including Katie Sackoff. If you're a fan of the Longmire TV show or Battlestar Galactica, you might know Katie. She's also been in a couple other movies, so don't insult her by saying, hey, you're like from Battlestar Galactica. <coughs> Pardon me. So yeah, that her bike's going to be there, plus a bunch of other great stuff. If you want to check out motolady.com, uh, I think she's been posting stuff up on her Instagram as well of all the great contributions that are being made to the show. The 15th, uh, there's going to be the third Sunday ride that's put on by the Vintage Venice Vintage Motorcycle Club. Uh, they're going to ride to uh, South San Pedro, meet up at Abbott Kinney at 10 a.m., kickstands up at 11 um, you can go to Venice Vintage Motorcycle Club or VVMC uh, to get all those information. Also, on Sunday, the third Sunday of every month, there is an art ride, and they're meeting up at the uh, Watts Coffee House for brunch at 10 a.m. Kickstands up at noon. You don't want to uh, brunch and leave, do you? Also, on the 26th of January, which is Monday, in Inglewood, the 34th annual Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. celebration is going down, and I believe there's going to be a ride. Um, Let me tell you the details on that, because this is kind of important if you're into civil rights and and, um, all that great stuff. All right, put them up. Uh, the website directs you to Black Girls Ride, and it's the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. MLK Day Ride, honoring uh, Dr. King's legacy, building bridges, and embracing our diversity. Let's see where, if I can get you the details. All right. Lady Rider Gear and Black Girls Ride Magazine invite you to ride in the annual Inglewood Martin Luther King uh, Martin Luther King Day March, hosted by um, KJLH on Monday, January 16th. Meet up at 321 North Eucalyptus Avenue at the Faithful Central Church at 8 a.m. sharp. Food will be served. All riders welcome to celebrate the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King. So that sounds absolutely fabulous. If you are off on Monday, go ahead and do that. The Cretans uh, Motorcycle Club present uh Cheap booze and classic horror movies and the best pastrami in L.A. I don't know if it's uh, 
the pastrami from the hat or if it's the pastrami from Felipe's because I would have to punch him in the face if it's from, I'll tell you where it's from in a second. Oh, the same pastrami as Lang's. Never even, never even heard of that place. So, <laughs> you know, it's all going down at uh, 1017 North Lake Street in Burbank, California from 7 to roughly midnight, uh, January 21st. Bring your three bucks and bring some mo- uh, money for some booze and bring some money for some food. So uh, they're going to be playing some really crappy uh, really crappy horror movies. And, you know, we all love crappy biker movies and we love crappy horror movies as well. I might go ahead and, and uh, link to this on the Creative Writing Facebook page if you would like. January 22nd sees the SoCal Swap Meet back at the Long Beach Veterans Stadium. That's always a swap meet and a show. I mean, that is such a rad event. If you don't buy anything, you'll get inspired to just by looking around at all the rad bikes that end up showing up there. Uh, the 22nd of January, the Silverado Cafe ride. They're going to ride up PCH and out to Silverado Canyon. If you don't know where Silverado Canyon is, look it up. All right. And let me see who's putting this on. EagleRider.com is where you can find the details for that. And Silverado Canyon, I might just add, is a pretty popular place. You might know it also as the place where Born Free takes takes place. And on the 28th and 29th at Del Mar, we got this year's only sole happening of the Ivy League flat track down there. The Saturday show... It's going to be a night show. The Sunday show is going to be like a morning slash afternoon show. Um, I did not see this, that they got uh, a moto art show and after party. So that's going to be kind of cool. They've added four classes. I just checked today. Um, There has been um, some cool classes added, which include a run what you brung street class. Let me see if they have them here. Ooh, uh, yeah, there's a... Open unclassified uh, three-wheeler class, a knobby class, run what you brung class. Um, I don't see the other ones. It's on their Facebook page, though. If you go to Ivy League Flat Track on Facebook and check it out, they will have their uh, – that's where you can find where they're going to be uh, adding those extra classes. So if you want to check it out, that's the place to go. Uh, now, here's something, Rad. The um, – Last year, there was two TTs that took place around L.A. Well, there was a, a, a TT. It was called the Taco Tour. Small displacement, sub 25 cc bikes making their way around to some of the best. I think they stopped at like uh, f- six taquerias around um, L.A., which if you know L.A., uh, I believe still, it's been a while since I checked the stats on the city, but we have the largest Hispanic uh, population outside of Mexico, the largest Mexican population outside of Mexico and Hispanic uh, population outside of all Spanish speaking um, countries. So, you know, the culture stick here, you know, that if you want a taco, you get it here. Although I would beg to differ that when I lived in San Diego, living right next to the border, you actually get more of like a authentic taco and burrito, but that's neither here nor there. So, on February 12th, they're doing the Donut Detour, and they're going to be cruising around, um, checking out, you know, they're meeting up at Motor Republican Eagle Rock at 1030, and it's, you know, bikes, they're trying to keep it under 
75 cc this looks like they've moved down from their 120 or up pardon me a little bit from their 125 cc that they had going but if you got a bigger bike don't worry bring it but ride at the back of the pack with all the schmucks that uh don't aren't aren't uh confident enough in their sexuality to ride a 170 cc motorcycle confidently or lack the skills to do that and so check that out also on facebook i will probably also link that to the creative writing page so you don't have to go looking for all this stuff if you're not in la but maybe you're going to be here at that time also hudson motorcycles in gardena on the 25th of february is hosting a choosing the right helmet for your head um i think the right helmet is any helmet that's that's basically my my opinion on that and there's that's basically from the la motorcyclist uh, website they have a great events page that's always happening and uh, and current i'd like to also tell you guys on the east coast they're bringing a new york city motorcyclist.com uh, page. It says it's now live and I'm looking at it and it looks really good. I thought they weren't la- launching it until March, but uh, let me verify that this were working. Wow. Yep. It looks like it's up. So yeah, NYC. Nope. No. No. No, I don't think so. So NYC, you might have to wait a little bit. I, I thought I read somewhere that they were putting that up in March, but at any rate, uh, I really like this site. It's really cool to have a site that isn't a club site so you're only hearing club stuff and you know it's not like a i don't know like a cycle news or something like that where you're only you're seeing all the news it's really um like focused you know what i mean it's focused to la serves la and the surrounding community so it's really great i mean i'm glad nyc is going to be getting one of their own too it's how much i love it then, don't forget, if you're in the frozen part of America, you can always check out Mama Tried. That's happening February 17th, 18th, and 19th. Their tagline for this year's show is Unusual Bikes from the Midwest and Beyond. And uh, I have to agree that there are a lot of times from beyond. But anyway, you know, you know, it's a bike show. They always have some really fun stuff going on. Flat Out Fridays being one of the things that a lot of the guys here actually travel over there to do and racing on ice since we just don't get to do that here. If you're in the UK, which is the UK, baby, the MCN London Motorcycle Show is happening that same weekend as well, the 17th and 18th and 19th of February, or however you guys pronounce it over there, February. Put that on your schedule, if you will. And you can see all the latest bikes. There's John McGinnis is going to be there with uh, Roger Hodgson Dodgson and Tex Walker. So check that out. I just made those names up. I'm, you know, I'm sorry, guys. Sorry, Yuke. Me, me and Yuke should uh, get together and, and correspond on some stuff later, though. But anyway, yeah, it looks like it's going to be just as much fun. Uh, it's more of, you know, MCN is obviously like a news. Thing. It sounds like it's going to be a little bit more like AIM or something like that. So that ought to be really fun and really cool. You guys got something going on and you want to let us know about it, uh, check out or you know send us an email and send us a link and we will be happy to post it just to get more eyes on it if you're trying to get some participation up. If you've got so much participation, you don't know what to do, like the WIR Top 10 Bikes, uh, you know, 
make sure you put it here so that you can get some eyes on it as well. And while we're talking about them, I'd really I'd like to rep those guys right now because we watched them all last year. We got to interview three of the people that were, uh, you know, the founder. Um, the top girl racer from that uh, club and the second fastest girl racer from that club. <laughs> Jason and Chris, you guys got to fight out for who's the second fastest girl. But no, anyway, that that is really fun to watch those guys. They base their race series off of the Street Outlaws TV show. I only recently started seeing that uh, and taking a peek at it online. So it's, you know, it's interesting. It's, you know, every, like every reality based thing, it's a little bit overproduced and whatnot. So that's why it's great that you can go see the real deal. They do real street drags, no freaking wheelie bar bikes. And, and you have to be able to ride on the street. Um, not, not quite like cots, you know what I mean? You know, I guess you don't have to be able to ride on the street, but these guys do, they, they take their kids to school on these bikes, uh, you know, the kids get to school in like 15 seconds. It's great. But no, check it out. And like I said earlier, right now is the silly season for these guys. They're doing all these secrets. They love to talk about tacos and they're really good smack talkers. But then when they get so closer to the racing, things start to quiet down. People are like busy putting those final touches on. And, and when your brain's focused on that, it's not so focused on like generating a meme to put your enemy into like a panic mode so it's really interesting to see all the cool mods and all the cool stuff those guys are doing including aaron Shu doing some carbon fiber in his garage how many people have the balls to do that huh have you done some carbon fiber lately i didn't think so so it's really cool to see people doing all this stuff right there in their own garages and uh yeah so Pay attention to that. Once again, don't forget to visit our friends johnnyjswing.com and dailybikers.com. Uh, I know I mentioned Biltwell earlier. Um, our One of the listeners, um, Mr. Braviffer, went out there to the Biltwell um, yard sale that they were having. And I wanted to say that they, you know, I, I get, I subscribe to their newsletter. They're always doing some crazy cool rides and cool build stuff on there, but they also have some really cool products out. And not just saying that because um, they're local or anything like that. I'm saying it because a lot of people use their stuff. And so they're always kind of innovating. And then they just came out with this new sissy bag bar or sissy bar bag. But if you have a sissy bag, you could put a bar through it and it probably works the same way. But yeah, this new sissy bar bag thing looks pretty tight. And, you know, you, obviously you don't have to have a sissy bar to run it. You could uh, figure a way to strap it onto whatever kind of seat you have or any luggage racks or even a tank or something like that. But this thing is super cool. I was looking at it and all the great stuff and pockets and the size of it and everything is just a perfect size for a motorbike. It's not, you know, it's one of those things that they took their time making it and it looks really great. And I'm, it's called the X-Fill, I believe. And if you go over to Biltwell and check it out, I'm sure you'll be able to find it on your own. You're a big boy or girl. So do that. And don't really have a tech tip. We're getting really late into the show. So, uh, going to blow this one out right here and say goodbye and we'll see you next time. Creative writing, we'd like to apologize to the following. Biltwell. Motofire. Motorcycles and Misfits um, Podcast at the Recycle Garage, Sunny Santa Cruz, California. Johnny J. Swing. A moose. A catamount. EV Dude, Valentino Rossi, Electric Motorcycles, 
Victory Motorcycle Company, Relentless Storms, Lagunitas Brewery, Brewery and the Brewery, and the Pineapple Express. Ramos, the city of Azusa, the city of Anaheim, the Yamaha Robot, could be a female too, Kawasaki Artificial Intelligence, Skynet, Honda Self-Balancing Bikes. Our apologies go out to Mule Motorcycles, Triumph Motorcycle Company, Facebook, and the Amazon Echo, and the Amazon Company. I'd like to apologize to Ford Motor Company, Google, American Flat Track Racing, Michael Locke, Whiskey Cloud Man, Bry Viffer, Jared Mees, Roger Hayden, Sorry Hobo Nick, Brad Baker, Brian Smith, Henry Wiles, Kenny Coolbeth. We are sorry to social media. Supercross and Arena Cross, Daniel Blair, the Ivy League, Flat Track, and everyone involved with that wonderful organization. Costa Mesa Speedway, Paris Speedway, Glen Helen Raceway, Helen Wheels Motorcycle Club. If you didn't hear your name on this list, maybe you should try harder. Peace. All right. Well, hey, there's one more guy. Darn it. Watching Triumph zoom around in Moto 2. The other thing, or, uh, you know, um, yeah, let me just say I'm an A a few more times. Sounds really good. (coughs) Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Migraines. Their company called Migraines. Hashtag Corey Texter. Hi, buddy. Scared the poop out of me, assholes.